Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey y'all, welcome back to the F-Bomb. Today I've got my friend Jennifer Villapondo and I've known her for a little while. What's interesting is that typically all of our conversations have uh, or they take place outside when either she's on a run or a walk or I'm dropping something off at her house or something like that. We've actually never sat down and had a conversation in the air conditioner. So this is a treat. <laughs> um, but Jennifer is a foster and adopt mom in our area. And also she's involved with a nonprofit that's coming to the area called the Isaiah 117 House. And if you've heard me talk any about children without placement and um, kids um, that are sleeping in offices or hotels, the Isaiah 117 House is um, in different states around the country and now coming to Waco and is going to serve as filling in the gap for that problem and be a space for kids to have a safe, home-like environment, loving environment while they're awaiting placement. So she's involved in all that and has obviously a family of her own. So all the juggling, huh? Yeah, definitely. You saw me rolling in here. (laughs) Girlfriend. So for us, our kids just got out of school and we were just talking about how like the it's almost like a re-entry into another way of being, like in the summer time, because everyone had their routine and everything kind of in the school year, and you knew what to expect. And I don't know about you, but I tend to look forward to times when my house is quiet right. during the school year, and then everybody's home, and it's a new normal. There's no quiet. There's ever. no quiet. <laughs> Which is fun and great, but yeah, it's but a lot. But it's also a lot. Yep. Like, um. I tend to get like auditory overwhelm sometimes and just a sensory overwhelm with all the noises that are competing um, or like overtouched. And so I definitely have to look out for that during the summer. I think I think you're speaking for every mom right now. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking for every mom right now, this is not sponsored at all. But there are these things that, you know, like hashtag TikTok made me buy it um, called loops. Mm hmm. And you can get them on Amazon, and they're basically like, um, they look like little headphones, but they're not attached to anything. They're not Bluetooth. They're just silicone that, um, and there's also ones that have a metal ring on the outside that you plug in your ear, and it's, you can hear everything going on around you, but it's like it takes the volume down. And so 
on days when I am about to lose it because everybody's talking and the TV's on and someone's singing and all of the things. Um, they really like help me be a better mom for those last like couple hours before bedtime yeah. is putting in my loops. So if I get it, if I remember, I will send you like at least the link so you can see what I'm talking about if you decide to buy them. Well, and think about like what we're teaching our kids and in, in doing those kind of things like, hey, it's okay to like struggle and to, you know, mm-hmm. not be okay always. Mm-hmm. And there are tools like that can help us. There are tools and, and that's just the thing. figure it out and yeah. keep going. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's exactly that, that there's tools um, and to know what's going on with your, your body. Mm-hmm. So that's something um, I have one kiddo that's always been more emotional and so since she was a little baby, it's if she is overtired, overwhelmed, overstimulated, over hungry, we're going to have tears. Mm-hmm. And she's a teenager now and it's still like that. So what we did whenever she was little was being, we were really intentional on not just addressing, oh, you're crying. Like, let's address that. It was what's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. Are you tired? Are you overstimulated? Are you hungry? Um, So teaching our kids that, yes, your feelings are valid, but also where is that coming from? Is this emotional thing or is this something happening in your body? Mm-hmm. So that kind of, I've, I hope, empowers them to take care of themselves really well, yep. but also shifts responsibilities to them for, um, and, and us too, like talking about the loops or that there's tools available that my feelings and what's happening in my body I'm doing all that I can to make sure that my irritation and overwhelm doesn't spew onto you guys because it's not your fault right right so I'm trying to take responsibility for my body and teaching them like you have responsibility for your body Mm -hmm. or I can help you right which I do as well love it (laughs) right do you so do y'all do timeouts in your home so we have a lot of or time in I want to say chaos but it's you know it's beautiful chaos always um so it's kind of like moving from each child to the next like Mm -hmm. hey two-year-old you need this right now let's do what that whatever that looks like for you is it swinging outside in the swing is it big hugs is it Mm -hmm. um taking a little rest on the couch with a book like snuggling with mom but we've also got to like transition and help the next one (laughs) yeah so it's a constant juggling but um, I think just like seeing what maybe it is the hunger, maybe it is the tiredness, whatever that need is, and first addressing that. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just moving to the next. Yep. <laughs> yep. And do, and it sounds like you, we are similar in that where it's not just like addressing it, but also like, hey, this is what you're feeling and why you might be feeling it so that you have the tools later. And I feel like you do that enough of the time and they then are like, huh, I'm feeling this way. And they get older and they're like, huh, I need to take care of my body right. in this way or my mind or my heart in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so And just like st- start to hear a three-year-old say, I'm tired. When yeah. I would I would say traditionally I would hear a three-year-old fight that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. But like the realization that like this is why I feel yep. this way. I'm tired. Yep. So what and does that, that mean? We go take a nap. Right. That is not a punishment. Right. Like it's a gift yeah. um, and it's good to take care of your body. And that's what I was getting um, to asking about like the timeouts or the time in. But making making at least my kids, I try to make them aware of like this is not 
always a consequence in a like in a way that should feel punishing. It's a um, you are not in good control of your body because of this, that, or the other. So this is you get an opportunity to reset and try again. Mm-hmm. We all need a time. I'm sometimes that's me going. Um, I need to be done with you right now. I need a timeout. Yeah. So peace out. I'll see you. And summertime is just an extended period of time to practice all of that. That's how we can look at it (laughs) and get better at it. All of us. Yeah. Because no, I'm big enough for that. I fail daily. I fail daily at that. And it's usually when you're hustling out the door and someone can't find their shoes and you've told them 30 times where they need to put their shoes and they're not where they're supposed to be. But there's grace. There's grace for us as moms and for those kids to figure it out. Yep. 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 (laughs) Oh, I am with you on the shoe thing with yeah. as many feet I, as I have in my family. We just have a shoe bucket mm-hmm. and the shoes that are used the most frequently are supposed to go in the shoe bucket. That's genius. So, and it's near the door. Mm-hmm. Like they come in, they throw off their shoes, just throw them in the shoe bucket. And if they're, you can't find your shoes, they're probably in the shoe bucket. But when they're not, I'm like, somebody have a shoe bucket. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be okay. So but. we should transition our shoe pile to a shoe bucket because then that we're not being kicked all over the I laundry saw, room. I so saw that's, that's a great idea. A TikTok that was someone basically like, here are some lazy mom hacks. And I didn't realize I was already doing something like this, but she's so right. She was like, wherever you tend to find a pile of crap, like whether it's your mail on your counter or your shoes or your socks in the laundry, whatever it is, just put a basket there. Just find a basket. That maybe you think is nice or adds to your decor. Mm-hmm. And then wherever there is already a pile, now it's on like it's purposeful. It's intentional. I was like, ha, huh, okay, I'm going to be more intentional about this. Yeah. Like, this is great. That sounds like summer goals. Yeah. Get yes. organized with junk piles in yep. baskets. <laughs> in baskets. Well, and there's no pressure to like be organized. Just leave your piles where they are. Uh-huh. Put them in a basket. Yep. And so for me, that's transitioned to like, it's easier to transfer places mm-hmm. if I need to. And I'm, my brain works better where I don't, where I have to tackle one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And so getting everything off of a space or making a bed or like clearing a countertop can instantly make the room look less chaotic and then my brain works better. Yep. So you too, huh? Yes, definitely. Oh, mama's everywhere. Yes, yes. So tell me, like we've talked about kids obviously already, but um, y'all are y'all still open? Um, is your home still open for fostering, or are y'all taking a break or done so fostering right now? We, and in that vein, as you're telling me that, I would love to know, like, circle back to what got you guys involved in foster care in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'll start, I guess, at the beginning more, just for to make a little more sense. Um, my husband and I have one biological son and around the time he was about three years old, we just kept hearing about foster care. It was something that neither of us were familiar with. We didn't grow up in families that fostered. Um, we didn't grow up, um, in a community that it was a big, um, thing. And, and I feel like it was happening around us. We just weren't aware because we didn't know what it looked like. Um, So we looked up and everywhere we were, someone was talking to us about foster care, whether it was at church or our neighbor was a caseworker for um, a 
child placing agency. So we were getting to learn about that side of it mm-hmm. through her. Um, just my son's teacher in preschool, his best, his best friend in his three-year-old year, all of those families were fostering. And so it just became familiar to us and just like organically happened. And I think that's what we both needed. We are, I, I, I kind of talk about the Jennifer before foster care and then the gen, the current Jennifer that has learned to go with the flow a little more and um, just be along for the ride, mm-hmm. the wild ride that is foster care and everything else in life. Um, but back then, I definitely needed to know all the things. Yep. I needed to know all the angles. I needed to know what, what this would look like for my family. And at least I thought I knew. I thought I gathered all of that from um, just talking to people and um, through just different presentations our church would do. So we chose to kind of slowly enter the world of foster care. We started with just babysitting um, and kind of like delivering meals to families that were um, already fostering. And getting to know those families and being able to love on them in that way just made it it just made it so much more clear that like God wanted us to do this. And so slowly we began respite care, which is, you know, the ability to care for a child for up to 14 days. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes that's, you know, when a foster family has a, has an emergency. Sometimes it's when they have a vacation plan Mm -hmm. and they can't take the child with them for whatever that reason is. So um, just getting to know some kids really well through um, doing regular respite for them. And, my husband and I just both knew, like, God has let us get to know these kids and these families so that this could be normalized to us, mm-hmm. so that this could be something that we see, you know, as um, this isn't other. It's not foreign. Nope. It's nope. It's it, not something other people do. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And these families that are doing it are families just like us. Like yep. they have their struggles. They have their, um, you know, whatever it is. And we can be the parent that these kids need for whatever mm-hmm. that time looks like. So um, we became licensed, and we've had two placements. Both of those led to adoption for our family. Um, and I know you talk a lot about foster care and how the goal is always reunification initially. And, mm-hmm. you know, we went through the ups and downs of that and, you know, never knew that these kiddos would be with us forever. But mm-hmm. that's the way that it ended for us, and we're so grateful. Um, and now, you know, we can't unsee all the things that we've learned. We mm-hmm. can't forget those families that are in crisis. We can't forget those caseworkers that are struggling, those other foster families. And we just want to stay plugged in how we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so the long answer was that the short answer is <laughs> our home is not currently open. So we're yeah. not planning to foster um, in the near future, but we know it's something that we would go back to eventually. Yeah. Um, our house feels very full right now. Um, just space square footage wise. Mm-hmm. And our lives are kind of, you know, balancing this nonprofit um, gig and yeah, and raising three kiddos. It's a lot. It's so, a lot. It's yep. an adjustment. And I'm sure it's an adjustment for you because like you now you're putting a lot of time into um, the nonprofit thing mm-hmm. where before you were mostly just mom. Right. Like I say just mom. You guys, it's a whole thing. Right. <laughs> but, you know, adding a whole nother thing is a lot. And then adjusting to summer on top of it, girlfriend. Yeah, like I hear you. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Well, so so yeah, you can't. I mean, I know I've heard over and over and over from others like you can't unsee, you can't unlearn the things and the brokenness that you see as a foster parent, and so we won't we won't walk away. We won't yeah. be able to do that. And that's kind of what it is. Is like you, 
once you get into it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And so there's, for most I've seen, there is the propensity to stay involved in some way or another. So I I can see that that's what you're doing. I love it. And I, I think that it's really cool also um, just to kind of go on this tangent that you know what your family, like what y'all's boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've talked about before on the show is that it's good to know what your boundaries are. Um, because if you get burnt out and overwhelmed because you just feel like, you know, we have to keep fostering or something, then you're burnt out and overwhelmed and you can't be the best mom you need to be for your kids that are in your home right now or potential kids that'll come in the future. And then what we see a lot of times is burnout completely. And I think one of the the big reasons that there is such a big need for a nonprofit such as the Isaiah 117 house is because one of the main thing is that we don't have enough placements, mm-hmm. enough safe homes and beds available for children in our area. So that is why they're staying in offices or in hotels. It's more, it's hotels now. Um, and why there's a need for such a great organization like the Isaiah 117 house. Um, and my hope is that people knowing their boundaries and taking some time, but also being supported will lead to um, more, more families staying in foster care or as long as is right for them, mm-hmm. and hopefully more families coming up and knowing that they're going to be supported mm-hmm. as well. But I think it's really great that you and your husband kind of know your boundaries and are putting some guardrails in place to make sure that your family is healthy, but also your your family is healthy enough for you to be able to do whatever it is you need to do that is your right thing mm-hmm. for foster care in this season. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And looking back, I can, you know, I can name five families that were just so encouraging to us when we were taking those first steps. Mm-hmm. And we were very hesitant and very honestly just terrified of what we were walking into because it was so unknown and there's so much uncertainty. And it's um, it's kind of fun to now, like, look back and know that all of those people were right, that, that everything they told us about um, their experiences and the things that we learned – that we could do this, that um, this is something that, you know, they would walk with us through and now we can walk with others through it also is, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, 
it's just a really sweet thing. It's it, that foster care community of people who have fostered previously mm-hmm. or who want to be involved in some way and truly want to be all in. Um, and it doesn't always look like having a kid in your home. Mm-hmm. It looks like bringing a meal. It looks like babysitting. It looks like mm-hmm. you know, just texting and saying, how are you? All That's of those right. things. Um, just being that community is just honestly the best. Yes. And we get to talk so often about community on the F-bomb because I think it's easy whenever you're on the outside to discount the gravity of what community can mean to a family involved in foster care. But it really does mean so much. So things like support, you know, support groups or just informal let's have a play date or a phone call, like, can I vent to you about this? It's so important for you to know that there are other people out you out there who see you and what's going on and have an appreciation for, for what your family is going through. Because the kids um, that come into to a family's home that are in foster care are definitely going through crisis. But also um, caring for children that are in crisis um, can be really hard on a family and an individual. Um, so it's good to have support around and can mean the difference between a family, obviously whether a family is willing to say yes or no, mm-hmm. and whether they're willing to continue their journey or not has a lot to do with the community that's supporting them. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up again. Yeah, it's it's so important. And it's, I don't know, I don't know where that misconception came from that you – you have to foster to do foster care. And it's really, it's couldn't be further from true. It, you know, you can, you can do so, so many things. And mm-hmm. yeah, you guys at Foster Village are great about getting people plugged in and support roles. And it's important. I'm seeing lots of different churches step up mm-hmm. and do that through different ministry efforts. And it's great. And what I think is cool about um, just in that vein, I will speak on our area specifically is what I, what I see consistently is nonprofit organizations and, you know, churches and individuals and whoever is involved in foster care, this um, linking arms, mm-hmm. like there is no kind of this is my turf type thing. There is we are all team kid. Like how can we work together to make sure all the gaps are filled mm-hmm. um, because we're all team kid and team family whenever it's safe and appropriate so whatever it is we can do to work together we kind of end up going that direction that's been really cool and you you said something about getting people involved um it's always been my attitude that um just because I'm involved in a certain organization doesn't mean everybody else needs to be right so wherever it is their right thing is that's where they need to go so um I want to make sure that we've got people in the community that everyone's in the right seat on the bus Mm -hmm. because then, you know, then they're happy doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing. So it really matters where you are and making sure that you've got the right fit for for you and how you're going to serve in this area. Yeah, exactly. So, but I love what you guys are doing. I think it's going to be great. So um, this organization that she's involved in, is, like I said, it's going to be a safe place for kiddos who are awaiting placement for up to 72 hours with their caseworker in in there. And they have just 
very recently raised just a boatload of funds that are going to go directly towards um, a, a home-like environment for these kids and to get this launched and to get everything off the ground. So it's been really cool um, watching the community step up and go, hey, like we really want to fill the gap and we're going to help them this way. So do you all have an official opening day or um, a projected date to launch that? Like you mentioned, we just recently had a fundraiser and we're fully funded to build a home. And we all know that here in this community right now with the housing market, it's that's that's, you know, a crazy feat and we um, are ready to break ground um, financially. We are hoping to acquire land in the next couple of months. So mm-hmm. once we do that, we would plan a groundbreaking. And then um, the model of the organization is to invite the construction community to get involved however they can, however they want to. And so then the build would happen on that timeline. Um, so we may have you know, multiple contractors that are able to be involved in different ways um, and just people using their talents and gifts and skills and businesses to come together to build the home. Um, They've seen homes built in 100 days in other Mm -hmm. communities, which sounds insane. Um, Mm -hmm. That was definitely before some issues with supply, Mm -hmm. construction supplies and all of that, but um, it's possible. So we don't have you know, a set groundbreaking date. So we can't really project exactly when the home would open, but the hope is by this time next year, we would have a fully running ministry, which could be, you know, the spring, but into next summer possibly. So it's it's exciting. I hope it's sooner than anybody would think is possible. Like I hope it just continues to be this thing that we've seen in Waco where people are really jumping on board. So me too. That is exciting. Well, um, before, before you go anywhere, I want to know, and I know you've been thinking about it, what's your F-bomb moment? Yeah. So you've been involved with foster care for a while and now you're involved in a different way. So it might be more than one, but that's something I always love asking people is like, what is the thing that you, you realize one day like, oh man, I'm just never going to be the same again. Like this is, this has changed me for good. Yeah. So just in thinking about that, I, I realized there are multiple moments and I think a lot of people feel that way, but every single one that I would come back to happened in a CPS office. Just this place where, you know, so much brokenness and so much darkness is brought to light in different ways. Um, it's, it's a sad place. (laughs) It's a place where, um, kids are waiting for placement. They're waiting for family members to be able to, say yes to placement or for foster families to be able to say yes to placement. It's a place where caseworkers are exhausted and overworked and just really trying so hard to do what they can within the limits that are set for them. And then you've got parents that are visiting their kiddos and, um, you know, being told you've got to do all of these things before you're able to regain custody. And then you've got foster Mm -hmm. families who are walking through this extremely, um, just I feel like roller coaster ride type situation mm-hmm. where you're yanked mm-hmm. back and forth between this is the way it's going to go. No, this is the way it's going to go. And right. that just that office that those offices that I've been in are, are where those moments have happened. Um, just like for specific examples, you have, you know, as a foster parent, you walk in and you hand over a child back to their biological parents and you there's a weight, there's a heaviness of 
um, the sadness that that family is experiencing and then the love you have for that child and your hopes and your prayers for that, that family, um, you know, for redemption and whatever that looks like for, for each family, it's going to be different. The hope is reunification, Mm -hmm. but that's Mm -hmm. not always the case. Um, and then you have like, we spend time as the Isaiah 117 house with caseworkers within the office. Um, we, we do a monthly encouragement where we go and just, um, pray with them, talk with them. And it's just become this sweet time of almost worship with them. And you can see what a difference it makes. You can see just people, they need to hear that the work they're doing, we know that it's difficult, but it's also unfortunately mm-hmm. necessary. And that hasn't always been the case. You've always heard CPS is the bad guy and that, you know, they're taking people's kids and it's just really not what they want to do. They really yeah. truly want to help these families stay together. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I've seen so many caseworkers <laughs> that um, that really feel for and root for biological families um, and want them to, you know, be able to do whatever it is they need to do to reunify with their kids. And um, I've seen caseworkers sad whenever that can't happen mm-hmm. or sometimes something that happens and I've seen and heard of happening more than once is there's this trend um, where sometimes at the end of a case after working really hard, sometimes the biological parents um, like sabotage almost, sabotage themselves and ends up not going towards reunification when you thought it would. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of, hurt behind that and you know anxiety and wonder if they're really the best for the kids is kind of what I've heard is um why sometimes that happens but gosh like so it's not you know it's it it is the the biological families and the kids involved and the foster families involved but these caseworkers they are caring a lot Mm -hmm. they are the ones that get to see all the stories and hear all the stories and um it's it's a a heavy burden to carry Mm -hmm. and most of them do it with lots and lots of grace. Yeah. So, and I think on that note, just there is some beauty happening in that place too. You've got, you've got these caseworkers who care so much and they're going the extra mile to buy things with their own money for these families. They're digging for resources. They're like Mm -hmm. scouring (laughs) every resource you can imagine to help connect these families with the things that they need and, um, you know, they're doing it on their own time pretty often. They're they're well over their hours that they're, you know, getting paid to work. And um, they're transporting parents to visits and to doctor's appointments and things like mm-hmm. that and, and just going above and beyond. And then you have relationships being formed between biological families and hopefully foster families that mm-hmm. – um, because it is just – it's one big family. Whether yep. you want it to be or not, it ends up being mm-hmm. one big family – um, and so those things are just so important and there, there are good situations that are coming mm-hmm. that are happening in that, in that horrible place also. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's Kids a, are safe. Yeah. That weren't safe previously. That's right. And now they're safe. That's right. And so there's, you're right. There's just so many things that happen in a CPS office mm-hmm. and you get to see, um, 
families stitched back together mm-hmm. and families that have to stay apart. It's it's rough stuff. Yeah. Whether you're the, the family involved or one of the, the people that is involved but on the outside, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that, and you are absolutely right. It makes me think of, you know, my experiences in CPS office. It's rough and beautiful and all the things. Yep. That sums up foster care, right? Yeah. It's rough and, and beautiful, beautiful and all the things. All the things. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> all at once. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know that today was a rush, but you made it. <laughs> thank you. made you. it. Thank and you for having um, me. You'll make it the rest of the summer, too. Yeah. Me and you both. <laughs> we got this. Yeah. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, and you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.